Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored by Book Riot Insiders, the digital hangout spot for the Book Riot community. Live your best bookish life with the updated perks at Book Riot Insiders. We sweetened the current short story and novel levels and introduced a brand new epic level, and you can try any level out free for two weeks. The highlight is our new group read, available to all Epic members, and there's no cap on Epic, so the more, the merrier. Each quarter, we'll read a book voted on by Epic subscribers that will fulfill at least one task of the 2020 Read Harder Challenge and cap off our read-along with a live chat. But wait, there's more. Get the full details on this and all other perks and sign up at insiders.bookriot.com. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 73, and we are recording on Tuesday, March 10th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Rincey Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hi, Rincey. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm. You're doing better than I am. <laughs> Please tell me some good news. <laughs> Something happy. Some good news. I found out I'm going to be dog sitting my sister's dog while they go on spring break vacation. Um, the one, I guess, very minor benefit of all the uh, COVID-19 events is that airline tickets are very cheap right now, apparently. <laughs> so my sister decided to take advantage of it and go visit some friends of hers down in Houston. And so I get to dog sit her very adorable puppy for about a week and i'm very excited about it okay now when you say puppy is it like actual puppy or is it like you call all dog dogs puppies no so this dog i is less than a year old it's turning a year in april and it's a golden doodle so it's like so cute it's so cute and he's like so friendly his name is parker and like they got him last july so they got him when he was like seven weeks old and he's like getting pretty big now because he has golden retriever in him but he still like has that puppy you know spirit in him so he gets like super excited every time he sees anybody he like loves people kind of scared of other dogs (laughs) But he's great, and I love him, and I'm very excited to dog sit him. Oh, I wish you could see my face right now. (laughs) (laughs) I will try my best. I've been, like, taking a break from social media, but while Parker's around, I might, you know, post a picture or two while he's, if he, he, like, behaves, not behaves, but, you know, if I can, like, be quick enough and get a picture of him before he, like, runs around. (laughs) Well, see, that's why they invented the video function. That is true. That's a very good point you bring up. So hopefully that news is good enough to uh, cheer you up a little bit. Oh, yes, it did. That cheered me up immensely. Thank you. (laughs) How was your trip to Nashville? Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, sadly, I did not get my biscuits. Oh, no. Because I had a long, drawn-out saga of getting home that involved me getting home a day later than I planned to, buying an emergency plane ticket, and my car is still in Nashville. (laughs) 
oh my gosh, is it because of the weather or because of your car? No, it it was because I first lost the keys to my car, called a tow truck, tow truck pulled it out of the parking garage and took it to a dealership where they would make me a new key. They The car was towed improperly and the towing company racked up over $2,000 worth of damage on my car. And three to, it took three to four days to fix it. I just got confirmation today that the towing company's insurance has just paid for my car. So I can now get it back from the dealership, but now we're just trying to see if the towing company will pay for the cost to have my car shipped back to me because I don't live in Nashville. I live in the Chicago area. Wow, that is so much worse than I was expecting. I thought you were going to be like, I have a cold, so it didn't end great. Not all of that. <laughs> no, it was it was a real saga. And it um, it ended up, I mean, I got home in one piece. I had people to stay with for an extra day. And so that was good. Um, but that, w- that was just not doing it for me. Yeah, completely understandably. Well, I'm glad you at least got home safe and sound. Oh, yeah, me too. I'm in the right state and we're going to go from there. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, before we jump into the podcast episode, we have a lot of fun things we're going to be talking about. So hopefully that will also cheer your spirits a little bit. Um, I have (laughs) our first sponsor and that is the audiobook edition of Gone by Midnight by Candace Fox, which is read by Ewan Morton, um, who is an actor who is currently playing King George in Broadway's Hamilton. So I have a feeling that this will be a very good audiobook production. So Crimson Lake is where dark pasts come to disappear and where others vanish into thin air. Four young boys are left alone in a hotel room while their parents dine downstairs. When Sarah Farrow checks on the children at midnight, her son is missing. Distrustful of the police, Sarah turns to Crimson Lake's unlikeliest private investigators, disgraced cop Ted Concafe and convicted killer Amanda Farrell. For Ted, the case couldn't have come at a worse time. Two years ago, a false accusation robbed him of his career, his reputation, and most importantly, his family. But now Lillian, the daughter he barely knows, is coming to stay in his ramshackle cottage by the lake. Ted must dredge up the area's worst characters to find the missing boy. The clock is ticking and the danger he uncovers could well put his own child in deadly peril. So if you are a fan of audiobooks and if you're listening to this podcast, there's a very high likelihood that you are very much into mysteries, uh, then this would be a really great book to pick up. And again, that's called Gone by Midnight by Candace Fox, which is read by Ewan Morton. All right. So um, if you are new to the show, welcome. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. And our regular listeners know that this is the part of the show um, where we put out an invitation for people to send us ideas for future episodes. Um, Obviously, we talk about mysteries and thrillers and just about anything that falls under that big umbrella. It can be movie adaptations, it can be new subgenres, it can be an author that you're looking for read-alikes. I mean, it, as long as if as, as long as it covers mysteries and thrillers, we're good. Um, and so we always invite people to let us know if they have any ideas for things that they'd like us to talk about on the show. And you guys have given us some really great suggestions for future episodes. We've used a lot of the suggestions over the last few years. And in fact, before we before we logged on to start recording, I took a look at our email and we had we had a couple of emails sitting in there already. So thank you if you have submitted 
an email to us. We really do appreciate it. And not just for helping us come up with show ideas, but it is really great to hear from people and to know that you all have, a lot of you have stuck, have stuck with us for 73 episodes now. And that's that's really great to hear. And that's also something that boosts my spirits a little bit. Um, so we'll have our contact information at the end of the show. Um, even if you don't have a show idea for us if you just want to say hi that is also awesome we like i said we love hearing from you so uh make sure to make a note of that um and then with that rinsey you want to kick us off we got a lot of new stuff happening the last couple of weeks yeah a lot happened at like the exact same time it felt like so i'm gonna kick things off with two kind of sadder news stories we had two authors pass away over the last couple of weeks first i'm going to mention clive cussler who wrote over 80 books over the course of his career. Um, he's probably best well known for his Dirk Pitt series, which is basically like reimagined historical books um, or like mythical books. So he wrote about things like related to the Titanic or Atlantis. Um, he also wrote a number of like alt history, conspiracy theory, thrillers and things like that. Um, he passed away at the age of 88. So he lived a long and, you know, really great writing career. He had been writing since the 1960s. Um, his books, it says on uh, this article that I'm looking at, um, that he's been published in forty over 40 languages in more than 100 countries. Um, so he has one more book that is being released today, Journey of the Pharaohs. Um, and so, you know, he spent his whole life writing and, you know, a lot of people really enjoyed him. So just wanted to mention that. And then the other author who passed away was Barbara Neely, who we actually just recently talked about because she was awarded the 2020 Grand Master Award or Honor by the Mystery Writers of America. And so we had just talked about her, but she was 78 when she passed away. She's a mystery writer who wrote the uh, Blanche White series, which is considered like the first black female mystery sleuth um, in American history, at least. Um, and so she wrote a number of books within this series. And it followed this like amateur detective who worked as like a domestic worker. Um, and she, you know, inter like intertwined basically like social commentary and things about like sexism and racism into these books. But if you've like ever read Barbara Neely, her books are really fun. Like Blanche is like a really funny, slightly irreverent character, which is fantastic considering that um, the books were published like a number of a few decades ago. I don't remember exactly when the first one was published. I think late 80s or maybe early 90s. Um, so yeah, if you haven't read Barbara Neely yet, I highly recommend her um, checking out her series. And the first one is called Blanche and the Lamb. Um, so just wanted to mention those two pieces of news. Okay. Um, so and we've, like I said, ton of news items happening the last couple of weeks. Um, first off, um, Martin Edwards, who is a mystery writer in the UK won the Diamond Dagger from the Crime Writers Association, which is an award or an award ceremony for British crime authors, and the Diamond Dagger is its highest honor. So he joins the ranks of authors like Ruth Rendell, Lee Child, Ian Rankin, P.D. James. Like these are all really big name authors. Now, interestingly enough, before we started recording, both Rincey and I realized that we weren't that familiar with Martin Edwards. Um, so I think his his works are more well known over in the UK, but he is a very prestigious author. 
if you haven't read his books, this might be a good opportunity to pick one up to see what he's all about and why he is diamond dagger worthy. Um, but yeah, so he so he just received that. In adaptation news, I was just so delighted by this. So Rincy and I have talked several times about the series IQ by Joe E. Day, um, which is kind of which is basically billed as like a modern day Sherlock Holmes set in the Los Angeles projects. It's really, really good. It's gritty, it's smart, and it's just it's such a great series. Well, Snoop Dogg also thinks that it's a great series because his production company is executive producing a series based on the IQ books. And there isn't a ton of information at this point, just that Snoop Dogg and uh, Snoopadelic Films have signed on to executive produce. Um, but I mean, right now, that's all you really need to know about it. Um, and if you follow either of us on Twitter, you probably saw me tweeting at Rinsey going, Oh my gosh, we got to talk about this. This is hilarious. Um, so be sure to keep an eye out for more news on that. We will definitely be talking about that as more updates come our way. And then this item popped up randomly. There's a museum in Torquay, England. And they believe that the Torquay Museum in Devon is apparently haunted. The people who work there and volunteer there believe that it's haunted, but not just by anyone. By the ghost of Agatha Christie herself, they believe that her ghost is haunting the museum and knocking her own books off of the bookshelves like to get people's attention. They say they don't have this issue with other books. It's just her books. I believe one of the people who uh, worked there said that they saw the books get knocked off like right in front of them. And to make it even creepier, they believe that they have caught th the image of whatever this thing is on camera. So if you scroll down in the article, there is... There's a photo. It is edited, but when you when you look at it, it looks like it looks like a person. It looks like it could be a female person. And when you look at the picture that they have of Agatha Christie, you're going, you know what? That could be Agatha Christie. It's it's hard to tell. And I, you may believe in stuff like that. You may not. I think this is hilarious, and I just thought this was so delightful. And I hope that. I hope that if this is the spirit of Agatha Christie, she knows that she is indeed getting people's attention by knocking her books off of the shelves because it made the news. So I hope that you're just as delighted by this as me. And we, like I said, we have, we'll have links to all of this in the show notes. You definitely want to click on this one. Yeah, this is just like one of those fun, crazy, wild stories that you're like, this is probably not real. But then you read about it and you look at the picture and you're like, I'm not going to tempt fate. <laughs> Just leave it alone. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do a really fast rundown of the rest of like the adaptation news and like sort of like quick little bites that we have to kind of wrap up this section. Um, Amazon Studios has acquired the rights to um, create an adaptation of My Lovely Wife by Samantha Downing, which I think this was announced like almost right after our last episode posted where I talked about My Lovely Wife, which I thought was really funny and great timing for me. Um, so and the film is going to be uh, produced by Nicole Kidman's uh, production co company. So that should be coming to Amazon probably 
I don't know, next year or something like that. There's no news outside of the fact that the rights have been acquired. Um, This is a really fun, dark, like kind of psychological thriller that I thought was just like a real blast to read. So if you've read that one and enjoyed it, there is an adaptation heading to Amazon. There is a TV show adaptation of Dan Brown's The Lost Symbol coming to probably CBS or NBC. Um, Universal is like producing it, I believe. Oh, no, it is coming to NBC. There's it's going to be a pilot on NBC. Um, So this is really interesting just because, you know, Dan Brown. Um, And it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in TV format. But if anyone was going to be made into a like network television, TV procedural type of series, I feel like Dan Brown's books are perfectly set up for that. Um, So this is if you aren't aware, the Lost Symbol is the third third book in uh, the like sort of Da Vinci Code related series. Um, And so it'll be interesting to see sort of how that may or may not play into things. Uh, also, because I feel like it's been so long since Dan Brown has, I mean, Dan Brown is obviously like still extremely popular, but it'll be interesting to see if they like pull anything in from the other books in this series um, for the TV show. So if you are a Dan Brown fan, uh, you can definitely look forward to that. And then the final piece of news that I'm going to be touching on is just that Janet Ivanovich signed a huge deal um, with a new publisher. So she's going to be writing her or her next few book, four books are going to be published through Atria, which is a Simon & Schuster imprint. And apparently it's an eight-figured world rights deal. Um, so previously, Ivanovich was with Penguin Random House, who is like one of the biggest, if not the biggest publisher around, um, or at least in, you know, North America. And so it's kind of a big deal that she's moving over to Simon and Schuster. And so uh yeah, this is if you're a fan of Janet Ivanovich, she has four more books coming and she is getting going to be paid very well for them as she should. Okay. So with that we've got um, before we jump into the rest of the show, we do have our second sponsor, which is Bent Heavens by Daniel Kraus. And this book is about Liv, who is done pretending that she believes her missing father's absurd theories about alien abduction. She's done going through the motions of checking the traps that he set. But on the very day she chooses to go out and destroy the traps, she discovers in one of them a creature so inhuman, it can only be one thing. And in that moment, she's faced with a painful realization that her dad was telling the truth and no one believed him. Now she has a choice to make. They can turn the alien over to the authorities or they can take matters into their own hands. So Daniel Krauss is a New York Times bestselling author. This is a breakneck genre-defying thriller, perfect for fans of Neil Shusterman, M.T. Anderson, Kirsten White. These are all young adult authors. Daniel Krauss is a young adult author. Um, this book sounds fantastic. Like it's got a little X-Files mixed in with, with some really breakneck suspense. So if this sounds interesting to you, make sure to pick up Bent Heavens by Daniel Krauss, um, which is uh, with Fierce Reads, and we thank them very much for sponsoring this episode. 
Okay, so for this episode, we decided to do something a little bit different kind of from what we usually do. I mean, obviously, we have like main topics that we talk about. uh, But Katie actually brought up this idea when we were talking about potential episode ideas about doing kind of what I've called at least a backlist bump. uh, Just because in our last episode where we talked about Latinx authors, I read a book from like the 90s. Which is like a thing we don't really do very often on here unless there's like, again, those very specific topics. And so Katie was like, oh, what if we both picked a book that is like, you know, 10 plus years old? Because a lot of times when we're talking about books, we're talking about new releases. The books that we're reading are often like new releases or at least released within the last couple of years because that's a lot of times what's on our radar. So it might be kind of nice to talk about a book that's a little bit older that maybe people don't think about anymore, maybe was really popular back when it was originally released, but now has kind of, you know, gone gotten off of people's radar. So it might be nice to like pick it up again and to, you know, bring it back to people's attention or maybe check out authors that we haven't checked out before who were publishing, you know, 10, 20 years ago and see if we enjoy their books as well. Um, so Katie, do you want to kick things off? Okay, so yeah. And it's funny that you, well, you mentioned books, you know, that were written in the 90s. And I'm going, oh, God, yeah, my book isn't even nearly that old. Um, but it is more than 10 years old. Um, so I picked the book Last Rituals by Ursa Sigurdardotter, who is an Icelandic author. I have read several of her books, and I've talked about them on the show before. Um, this was a book that I had sitting on my shelf. It is the first in her uh, in her Thora Gunman's Daughter series, which I've read one book in, but it was like book five or six or something like that. So this is this is book one. It was published in 2007, which both seems like an eternity ago and also like last week. So um, so there there is that. Now, I will say, um, if you if you couldn't tell from my part at the beginning of, of the episode. I've had I've had kind of a week, couple of a couple of stressful weeks with all the stuff with my car and then more stuff piled on top of that. So I unfortunately did not get to finish this book, but I did start it. Um but this book is it, the just the description like really jumped out at me and it's one of the reasons why I really like this author's writing. She does tend to go dark, creepy, um very, very much up my alley. So the book opens with a student who has been murdered at um, a university in Reykjavik. And his body is discovered, his eyes are cut out, strange symbols are carved into his chest. And the police make an arrest right away. But the victim's family actually doesn't think that the person who was arrested is the person who actually did it. And this isn't giving anything away. This is all within like the first few chapters. So they ask uh, an associate of theirs, Matthew Reich, um, to investigate. And he, and he talks to Thora Gunman's daughter, who is an attorney. And he kind of brings her in as a pseudo private investigator to help him, uh, talk to the police. He's German, she's Icelandic, so he needs someone, he needs a translator. And they quickly find themselves immersed in Iceland's history of torture, witch hunts, um, executing people for being witches, you know, burning burning them at the stake. So there's like this really, really, really old, dark history, but it obviously has some 
like very it has modern implications as well as evidenced by the dead body um so there's there's lots of like creepy stuff going on in here um so this book um i i can tell from from like i said i've i've gotten maybe 100 pages into it it's you can tell us the first book in the series just it's a little bit slower to get started but it you you do start getting some of those like little details about Iceland's history with witch hunts and stuff like that so that that is super interesting um and she also includes some forensic details and they talk they're talking to basically the chief medical examiner and after doing an autopsy, and she's including some of these details, which now it's actually almost kind of funny to read about, because by this point, so many mystery readers are so, like, well-versed in autopsies, just from the books and the shows and the podcasts that we listen to and watch and read and all that stuff. Like, she's going over some of these details. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, you can determine time of death based on the stomach contents and the level of digestion. I knew that. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of funny that... You know, I I mean, those types of details, like, crime novels have been using those types of forensic details in their, in, in the writing for a long time. But it's kind of funny to think, you know, okay, back, you know, what was this, maybe 13 years ago, this information may not have been, you know, people may not have been as well versed in it as they as they are now. I mean, it was certainly interesting. And I think, you know, people, you know, r- really enjoyed those types of details. But yeah, now I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is this is basic stuff. Pff, that's forensics 101. We got this. Um, so that that's kind of funny. And I'll be interested to see if that play or if that comes up again in the book, just kind of as a sign that it was written a long time ago. Um, And again, by a long time ago, I mean, 13 years ago, which also feels like an eternity and yesterday. So um, yeah, so I am, I'm excited to keep reading it. Um, It might be a little bit slow going because yes, life decided to throw an anvil on top of me this this last week. But um, I am, I'm excited to keep reading it. And again, that is Last Rituals by Ursa Sigurdardotter. Um, I'm not going to spell the whole thing, but you'll have a link to it in the show notes if you are interested. And that is the first book in the Thora Gunman's Daughter series. Okay, so I feel like both of us picked books that are really similar in theme. So <laughs> the book, well, not you'll hear you'll hear why in just a second. Uh, so the book that I picked is called "Death of a Red Heroine" by Chu Shou Long. and so this is the first book in what is called the Inspector Chen cow series i believe is how you pronounce it and this book was originally published in 2000 so don't worry mine wasn't from the 90s either (laughs) um and this is has this book has like a really interesting backstory or at least the author has a really interesting backstory so uh the author it was born in china in the 1950s and came over to the united states he got a like grant or scholarship to study at washington university in st louis and to do like research on t.s Eliot, who i believe was was like born in St. Louis and like I think something about like I think his like dad or grandfather was like one of the founders of Washington University something along those lines anyways the author came to uh, St. Louis Missouri in the 80s and while he was there Tiananmen Square protests happened and so basically after that point he never returned to China And so this, the reason why I'm giving this backstory is this kind of plays into this book. So this story is set, I believe, 
in like the early 90s, like it's supposed to be relatively soon after Tiananmen Square protests happened. And it's obviously like during this time of like communist rule. And you are following this inspector named Chen Kao, who is of the Shanghai Special Case Bureau, who picks up this case about this woman who's found dead in this canal in Shanghai. And the more they look into this woman, um, they see that she's sort of what they call the quote unquote national model worker. Um, she follows the Communist Party principles extremely like closely. She's like considered, you know, like this model citizen in terms of the communist beliefs and rules. Um, But then as like the police start digging into uh, this death and this murder investigation, some details come about about different politicians in the area and some of the things that uh, may or may not have been true about the people who were around this woman, but also like, the inspector himself also comes from a similar background of the author uh, whose father had more of a capitalist sensibility. And so the inspector is kind of side-eyed by everyone else in the department. Um, so this book is not going to be for everyone, or it has to be for you when you're in a very specific move, because this is not a fast-moving mystery by any stretch of the imagination. There is perfect for people who enjoy learning about different cultures while reading a mystery, which is why I felt like um, this is similar to the book you just read, Katie, because like you're getting a lot about China and Chinese history and Chinese culture in this book, which is done on purpose. And there's a lot of like commentary and criticism about uh, the communist culture specifically and the way that the country was slash is run. Um, So if that's something that's of interest to you, I would recommend picking this book up. Um, But it is extremely slow moving. And there's a lot of things in here that are like very stylistic like the main detective is also like a poet like you find like he says that his background when he went to university was in english and he studied poetry and like in his free time he like translates poetry at like his free time as a cop he translates poetry and like he like there are like these asides with his friends about stuff like that um so this is not like a fast-paced mystery by any means. Uh, But if you enjoy your mysteries to have like a little bit of that political intrigue going on with it as well, then I think that this would be a good one to pick up. Um, So again, that's called Death of a Red Heroine by uh, Chu Shou Long. Um, I definitely recommend picking it up because I think it's super different. I literally just went to the library and was pulling random books off the shelf. Um, And so the only reason why, or not the only reason, but one of the reasons why I pulled it off the shelf is because Soho Press did like a reprint of it, which is one of the reasons why I think my library had a copy of it. Um, So I saw the Soho Press sort of like publisher logo and I was like, oh, that looks interesting. And then when I realized it was published more than 10 years ago, I was like, oh, this sounds like it would be a good one to pick up. So I'm kind of glad that I read it because I feel like it gave really great insight into uh, Chinese culture as well as like the Communist Party and the way that it's run in China specifically. So yeah, definitely recommend. All right. Well, if anyone has any suggestions for other backlist titles that you found to be really interesting, please do let us know. Um, You know, like, like Rincey said earlier, we get caught up a lot in what's shiny and what's new and, you know, what everyone's talking about that we forget that, you know, a lot of really awesome books were also written, you know, more than two years ago. Um, And I know that, you know, once we get looking at, you know, 10 years, 20 years, this was way before I started 
reading as broadly as I do now. So I know that I have missed a ton of really excellent reads. Um, So yeah, please do let us know if you have any particular favorites. All right, with that, and then I'm going to jump into new releases. Holy cats, this is another jam-packed, like, two-week segment full of amazing books. And I think I have, like, half of these on hold at the library already. Um, So I am going to run through these really quickly because we have so many of them. The first one that I want to talk about is The Deep by Alma Katsu, which is out today on March 10th. So by the time you're listening to this, you can go out and pick up a copy if you so choose. Um, Alma Katsu is the author of The Hunger, which I read in 2018. And that's the book where it takes the story of the Donner Party, but, but then asks, what if there was something supernatural stalking the Donner Party? It was incredible. Every person I have given this book to has come back and just been like, oh my gosh, this book was amazing. It was so creepy. Um, so I was so excited when I heard that she, that Almakatsu had a new book coming out. And this one, again, focuses on a real historical event, which is the sinking of the Titanic and the ill-fated destiny of its sister ship, the Britannic. Um, so... With this book, something is haunting the Titanic. So there have been all kinds of misfortunes that have been plaguing the passengers from the moment that they set sail. The passengers expected to enjoy a really luxurious trip, um, but instead they've been dealing with mysterious disappearances, sudden deaths. They suddenly find themselves in an eerie kind of twilight zone. And while some of the guests and crew shrug shrug off what's been happening, several people, including... Uh, Annie Hebley, who is a maid, Mark Fletcher, who is a guest on the ship, millionaires Madeline Astor and Benjamin Guggenheim are convinced that there's something much more sinister going on, and then, of course, disaster strikes. Now, years later, Annie uh, is one of the survivors, and she's attempted to put her life back together by going to work as a nurse on the sixth sailing of the Britannic, which has been newly refitted as a hospital ship to support British soldiers fighting in World War One, And when she happens across an unconscious Mark, who is now a soldier, she is at first thrilled and relieved to learn that he, too, survived the Titanic four years earlier. But soon his presence awakens deep buried feelings and secrets, forcing her to reckon with the demons of her past as they both discover that the terror may not yet be over. So if this book is anything like The Hunger, it's just going to hit that sweet spot of just foreboding, ominous, deliciously creepy feeling that The Hunger gave. So again, the book is The Deep by Alma Katsu, and I definitely have this book on hold at the library. I cannot wait to pick that one up. Next, we are taking a completely different turn, and we're going to a new cozy series, which is called Mimi Lee Gets a Clue. That's the name of the first book. It's by Jennifer J. Chow, and it is the first book in the Sassy Cat Mystery, which I I love a sassy cat. And this book is also out on March 10th, so you can pick this one up if you if you're interested. So Mimi Lee has just opened a new pet grooming shop in Los Angeles. 
her, so she's dealing with that. She's dealing with her matchmaking mother. And she also has her sassy talking cat named Marshmallow that she has to take care of. And, oh, and there's a local breeder who was recently murdered. And now Mimi is at the top of the suspect list. So backing up a step, um, her cat Marshmallow exposed the local breeder Russ Nolan for mistreating chihuahuas, and so Mimi steals some of her cat's sassiness to tell Russ off, but the next day the police show up at Mimi's shop to let her know that Russ has been found dead, and Mimi's shouting match with him has them looking at her as the main suspect in his death. So she's trying to clear her name, she's trying to save the dogs that he left behind, she Mimi enlists help from her dreamy lawyer neighbor, Josh. But even with Josh on board, it'll take Mimi and Marshmallow a lot of sleuthing and more than a little sass to get back to the pet grooming life and off of the murder scene. So this this just sounds like the quintessential cozy mystery. You've got... You've got the humor, you've got the the dreamy sidekick neighbor, whoever whoever he may be. You have the talking animal, you've got sassiness, you've just got it all in this fabulous package. So again, that is Mimi Lee Gets a Clue, which is the first book in the Sassy Cat series, and that is written by Jennifer J. Chow. And then um, if you are looking to continue a series, um, some of you may have read uh, Tom Bowman's uh, Henry Farrell series. The first book in that series was Dry Bones in the Valley, which was getting all of the awards when it was published a few years ago. Well, now we have the third book in the series that was just released, which is called The Bramble and the Rose, um, again, out on March 10th. So The Bramble and the Rose starts off with a headless stranger found in the woods of Wild Time, which is a small town in the endless mountains of Pennsylvania. And all signs point to a bear attack, and Officer Henry Farrell would just as soon leave this hunt to the Game Commission, but doubts arise when he discovers that the victim was actually a retired investigator. So what drew the investigator to wild time? And before Henry can find answers, his own nephew disappears in the mountains, an old flame dies under suspicious circumstances, making Henry the prime suspect, and now Henry is torn between protecting his family and clearing his name. So this one, this book it just seems like it's just like a small, gritty, suspenseful, thoughtful novel. Um, I have not read Dry Bones in the Valley yet, but everyone who I've talked to has read it says it's really excellent. Um, so if you're a fan of this series, you'll want to make sure that you pick up The Bramble and the Rose by Tom Bowman. And then moving on to a couple of books that come out next week on March 17th. Um, the first book I'm only going to talk about real briefly because I have already talked several times about it already. That is Darling Rose Gold by Stephanie Robel. Um, so this psychological thriller debut draws heavily on the on the stories of um I think the name was Didi um and the the case of Munchausen by proxy where the mother was making her daughter intentionally sick 
Um, so this story follows Rose Gold, um, for, who for the first 18 years of her life believed she was super sick. She was allergic to everything, practically lived at the hospital. She and her family got a lot of support from the neighbors, um, but no matter how many doctors, tests, surgeries, whatever, no one could figure out what was wrong with her. But turns out that her mother, Patty, was just a really great liar. Now, Patty served half a decade in prison. She's out now. Rose Gold says, oh, you can come live with me. And Patty says, sure, that sounds like an excellent idea. We all know that this is not going to be an excellent idea. Um, So this book, like everyone has been talking about this book. Everyone has been really excited to read this one. I have read it already. I got an advanced copy of it. It is so dark. It is so messed up. It is like a horrific train wreck that you just cannot turn away from. And there are so many twists that it's like, they just keep coming and you're helpless to stop turning the pages. It's really, really good. So again, that is Darling Rose Gold by Stephanie Robel. That is out on March 17th. And then finally, we have The Eighth Girl by Maxine Mei Feng Chung, um, which follows one woman who has multiple personas, But now the question is, which one is telling the truth? So Alexa Wu is a brilliant and darkly self-aware young woman whose life is manipulated and controlled by a series of alternate personalities. There are three people who know about the different personalities, her therapist, her stepmother, and her best friend. Um, When her best friend gets a job at a high-end gentleman's club, she catches the attention of its shark-like owner, gradually is drawn into his inner circle, and as Alexa's world becomes intimately entangled with with her friend's world, whose name is Ella, she soon finds herself the unwitting keeper of a nightmarish secret. With no one to turn to and lives at stake, she follows Ella into London's cruel underbelly on a daring rescue mission. And... Alexa finds herself threatened and vulnerable, and she will soon discover whether her multiple personalities are her greatest asset or her most dangerous obstacle. Um, so again, that is called The Eighth Girl by Maxine Mei Feng Chung, and that is out on March 17th as well. And that's what I got for new releases. I just want to say, who doesn't love a sassy cat? <laughs> I have grown up with sassy cats all of my life. I love a good sassy cat. I've got two at home right now. They are incredibly sassy. (laughs) All right. uh, So to wrap things up, we can talk about what we've been reading, which for both of us is not very much. Um, But I have in the middle of two books and they are going promisingly well. So maybe I'll actually finish something by the time the next episode rolls around. Um, So I'm listening to Sadie by Courtney Summers. And I started listening to this partially because I haven't been finishing a whole lot lately. And I was like, well, maybe I should do like an audiobook and that'll like help get me through an entire book, actually. And so I started listening to Sadie because it's available through Hoopla. If any of you have a library system that uses Hoopla, uh, I also just realized after I downloaded Sadie from Hoopla that they updated the app. So now there are actually chapter markers and it's amazing. Uh, That was my least favorite thing about Hoopla beforehand. Anyways, Sadie by Quinny Summers is a book that's written in a way where Half of it is told as if it's told through the perspective of like a true crime podcast. And then half of it is told through the perspective of the character Sadie. And so obviously it works really well as an audiobook. And they set it up with a full cast as well. So obviously that enhances the experience as well. And like even the true crime podcast app 
aspect of it. They've added like background noise and like ambiance and like music and things like that. So it feels like an actual true crime podcast. Um, so in this story, you are following this character named Sadie, whose sister, younger sister, uh, was killed. She decides that she wants to basically get revenge on the person that she thinks did it. Um, and so, so she like leaves town without saying anything um her mother was a drug addict and her grandmother was taking care of her and her sister for a while and so she leaves town without saying anything to her grandmother the grandmother contacts um this guy who hosts the podcast and kind of gets him intrigued by the whole story and so he starts to look into what actually happened to Sadie and try is trying to find her. So I'm about halfway through the book right now and some things have been revealed. Um I should say trigger warning for like abuse um and things like that. This there are like difficult topics that are talked about in here, but I'm definitely intrigued by the story and listening to it as an audiobook definitely was the right choice. So if you are someone who listens to audiobooks, I'm sure you've already heard people talk about Sadie and how well the audiobook is done. Um, it took me a little bit to get into it. But now that I'm like halfway through, I'm really intrigued to see where they end up taking it. And then the other book that I'm currently reading, which I literally just started today is called 13 by Steve Kavanaugh. This one came out last year and I was sent a copy of the book uh, by the publisher. And it just has like an intriguing premise. And also it's a book that sounded like it would be very fast paced and based on the first couple of chapter chapters, it definitely has that vibe to it. Um, and so in this story, you are following this like massive murder case that's happening and you're following it from two different perspectives. One of them is from the perspective of this like local, it's a, like a huge murder case that's going on like major national coverage, things like that. And this like local lawyer gets hired by the big shot lawyer to be um, one, at least at the point that I'm at, he gets hired to be like sort of uh, an assistant to lawyer, almost like one of the second or third lawyers on the bench um, for the defense. And so originally he says no to the case because he thinks that the guy did it. Uh, but then the lawyers like actually we think he was set up by the police um and so it's this lawyer's job to kind of like look into that aspect of it and see um what exactly is going on the other perspective is told from the point of view of a serial killer um and the serial killer has decided to um get himself onto the jury by murdering someone who was originally given the murder uh the jury summons sorry and then like disguising himself to look like this person um like i said i'm at the very beginning of the stories but i'm very intrigued to where this is going to go obviously this requires a little bit of suspension of disbelief but they do already explain things in the beginning like this serial killer has been known his whole life since he was like a kid at being very good at like mimicking people and impersonations so he just like sort of you know like when people are good at mimicking they don't necessarily need to look exactly like someone in order to like for you to believe that they are that person. Um, so they kind of explain things like that. Um, I haven't gotten to the part yet where they explain why this guy wants to be on the jury, but I'm very intrigued to find out, you know, why he wants to be on this jury and what's going on. And so, yeah, hopefully I will, my interest will be kept by these two books and I will be able to talk more about them in the next episode. Yeah, I have not finished much. Um, I have not started much. Um, I have been practicing a lot of self-care over the last few days, which has involved a lot of crocheting. I did actually crochet a really cute little stuffed baby Yoda. 
So I was very proud of that, but that's not a book. Um, so I, I still have a stack of books that I checked out many weeks ago from one of the two libraries where I either work or just visit due to my where I live. Um, so I'm sure I am going to end up reading one of those. But yeah, I have not gotten very far with the books that I have started and have not been really motivated to pick up much, uh, much anything else. So I'm hoping the next two weeks will be decidedly better and that I will hopefully have something more interesting. <laughs> I'm hoping the next two weeks are decidedly better for you too as well. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> that's the show. Uh, thanks so much to everyone for listening. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen and head over to the Red or Dead page. There'll be links to all of the articles that we talked about in this episode, as well as links to all of the books that we mentioned here today. There were a lot of books that we mentioned here and a lot of them sounded really interesting. So definitely check out those links uh, for more information on any of that. If you enjoyed the podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcasts uh, that helps other people discover us. So please feel free to rate and review us if you get an opportunity to do so. If you want to send us an email, like Katie mentioned at the top of the show, you can send us feedback or show suggestions, anything along those lines. You can send that over to redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Rincy A. And I'm on Twitter at KT underscore Library Lady. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.